Morning everyone, good to see you. I've been asked to say a little something, believe it or not, before I preach. Um, so those listening to the tape, uh, not tape, we don't do tapes now, do we, on the, uh, on the online internet. Um, those listening on the internet will get this as a free bonus. Uh, would I say a, li- a few things about coronavirus? I was rather amused to hear that in America... In America, 38% of males have said they're a bit worried and won't any longer drink Corona beer, just in case case they pick something up. So so what I really want to say is um, don't panic. Um, I think it was Cromwell who said said to his soldiers, trust God but keep your powder dry. In other words, you trust God but you do what's um, wise. Um, And what's wise is um, the three things is uh, catch it, bin it and kill it. So you catch it in a tissue, you sneezes, and you bin that, and, uh, and you kill it by washing your hands frequently. So that's uh, a public health announcement from Hope, Hope Churches. So um, that's what you do. And when you wash your hands, uh, on, on, on the internet and on the news, they keep saying to sing happy birthday. But if you're not doing very well at keeping in touch with God, uh, saying the Lord's Prayer will work just as well. So I, I think that's a, that's a good one uh, to do. Uh, if you've got a temperature, please do the rest of us a favour and take a, take a week off from coming to church rather than sharing. We're, we're into caring and sharing, but uh, that we don't particularly want to share your, uh, your viruses. So and if you honestly, if you think you're in, you might be in trouble, ring 111, uh, not me, because I don't know anything very much. As you can tell, ring 111. So, but I think as a church, we might as well have some fun with it. So I've asked Isaac to help me because someone said we've had, even had phone conversations about what's the best way to greet one another. Uh, I normally just say hi. But, um, so if you want some top tips, there's, there's the Vulcan greeting. Live long and prosper. There's, uh, there's the Wuhan elbow. Do you like that one? That's quite a good one. There's the Shanghai shoulder. Don't know that one. Uh, Shanghai shoulder. There's the Italian toe tickle. Do you like that one? Or even if you're very bold, there's the Bombay bum bump. How that one? So that's good. And there's the Fijian not quite fist bump. There we go. So, uh, so I hope that's really uh, helpful to you all. Uh, more seriously, I, I think the best thing uh, in life generally is. Um, that you can always trust your unknown future to a known God. Uh, and the truth is, all of the time, our future is unknown. Uh, but he's known. So we can, we can trust him. So um, there we go. That's the end of that bit. That, that, might, that might get into the notice of the year. I don't know. We'll see. Good. If you've got a Bible, I want to begin with um, a verse from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, we, we, uh, we had a word about being in a season of uh, amazing, unexpected, un- unreal amount of grace. And uh, really, we only survive because God's gracious in any way. And um, uh, I'm very pleased he is or I would be in big trouble. But Paul here is towards the end of his life and he's writing to his son in the faith, uh, Timothy, uh, he's towards the end of his life. Later in Timothy, he's, he says, I, I've fought the good fight, fight. I'm nearly at the point of departure. It's a great, great word for, for dying. It, it's the word that they used to, when you cast off a ship, <laughs> it's sort of, I'm off. And uh, you, you untie the rope and you're off. He says, uh, so he's getting to the end of his life. And he's, so he's, he's giving his last instructions to Timothy. And uh, last words are, 
um, sometimes important, not always important. I think one of the King George's last words were, I feel much better now. So uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't quite so profound. But, but Timothy's, Tim, Timothy's uh, last instructions from Paul, I think, are very good. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So that's amongst Timothy's last vital instructions for his ongoing ministry. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I think that's an excellent exhortation for each of us this morning and for us as Hope Church to be strong, not in our own strength because we don't have very much, uh, but to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And grace is a big theme. I've really always enjoyed talking about the grace of God. There's, um, when Barnabas went to look at a brand new church that had just literally popped up through ordinary people sharing the gospel, he went to look at um, Antioch. And in Acts 11 verse 23, he, 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 he went and he said he saw the evidence of the grace of God. I, I love that. Often people talk about grace as if it's a doctrine. It's not. It's God in action. It's God doing things that we don't deserve, maybe he didn't even expect. And he saw the evidence. He went there and he, he could see, wow, look what God's done by his undeserved goodness. Look what God's doing. And he saw the evidence of the grace of God. So I want to ask the question, what, what does it look like for us? What, what is it like in, in your life and in the life of the church when there's evidence of being strong in the grace of God. What, what would that look like? So I've, I've got, I, I can't remember how many, but anyway, I've got some points and some of them will appear on the screen as if, as if by magic. So um, the first one is this, a, a church that is strong in grace is a church where people like you and me know they've been saved by grace. They, they know that. And, and so uh, that, that's the first thing. Knowing, so it's a good question to ask yourself. If I'm going to be strong in grace, do I know that I am rescued, saved by the grace of God? And uh, I've got some Bible verses uh, you can look up or, or they may appear on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. So he goes on to say, no one, no one can boast. No, no one becomes a Christian because they wised up and got clever. No, 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 no one, no one became a Christian because they earned it or deserved it. He says, no, it's by his grace. That means grace is God's goodness that you don't deserve. And as we looked at last work, week, you disdeserve it. You don't, no one deserves his grace, his goodness, his kindness. It's by grace we have been saved. It was God working in us, waking us up to our need. God working in us to see Jesus as a saviour and to cry out to him. It's through faith. Oh, yeah, but I put my faith in him. Yes, you did. Well done. But even that was a gift from God. Isn't that amazing? And that's how everybody becomes a Christian. It's by God's grace. That's, that's really encouraging, actually, when it comes to sharing the gospel as well. Because I don't know about you, I often feel not very clever at doing that. I haven't got quite the right words. What if they ask this question or that question? I might not have the answer. No, it's by grace. Anybody's saved. We share, we invite, tell people about Jesus, tell people our story. It's by his grace 
we were saved. Do you know it? Do you know, if you don't know this morning that by God's grace, you've been rescued from your sin, from condemnation, from a lost eternity, then ask him for some. My friend, ask him. Say, God, I don't deserve it. Could you forgive me, please? Could you help me to understand what Jesus has done for me? So a church that's strong in grace is really strong on that, that God saved us by grace. Praise God for that. Amen? Oh, you dozy bunch. <laughs> We're not, not very responsive this morning. Sorry, shouldn't say that. Slightly, slightly dozy bunch in some circumstances, whatever. Anyway, it's a wonderful thing to be saved by grace. I think sometimes we're over-familiar with amazing things. And so grace stops being amazing. We just say, oh yeah. No, no, it's amazing that God, the maker of the universe, should want us for all eternity. It's amazing he should send his son to die for us. I'm astounded. I'm, I mean, would, would you die for you? It's amazing what he has done by his grace. So a church that's strong in grace knows that they're saved by grace. But I'm going to go a little bit further than that and say a church that's strong in grace enjoys that. There's, there's one thing to know, to, to give mental assent to a doctrine. Well, yes, I know I'm saved by grace and I've read Ephesians 2 and I, I, I put a tick by that, I, I believe that. That's one thing and that's, that's great, that's part way there. It's another thing to say, and I really enjoy that. I enjoy the fact that God looks on me and sees the goodness of Jesus, not all my sin, because he's washed that away. And, and, I, and I've been in this divine swap shop. He's taken my sin and he's credited me with righteousness. That's wonderful. Let's enjoy that. To be honest, going back in my life, I was brought up in a church background that loved what they called the doctrines of grace. It sounds even better in a Welsh accent, actually. The doctrines of grace. So you see, doesn't that sound better? I was, brought, I was brought up in churches that loved the doctrines of grace, and, and there were some lovely people there, but by and large, the church was miserable. I'm just, I'm sorry to say that. I mean, God bless them, but they knew the doctrines of grace, but they didn't seem to enjoy it. That what they seemed to do most of the time is look at others and find out what was wrong with them. And I, I just think, oh man, life's too short. Now, if we're saved by the grace, the undeserved kindness and love of God, it's very honouring to enjoy it. To be saying, thank you, God. To be revelling in grace like a hippo wallows in mud. To be be saying, I love the grace of God. I'm so thrilled with God's grace. It's, It's not just a doctrine. The grace of God is a doctrine, but it's the grace of God. It's not the grace of a theology book. It's the grace of God. God personally has been gracious to you if you're a believer. He's been really kind in ways we didn't deserve. And grace, you see, gives us access. Turn turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we've been, some long words in here really, since we've been justified, that means God, it's a legal word. God declared you not guilty. That's what, it, that's what it means. It's a legal term. It's not a theological term. God declared you not guilty because of your trust in Christ, your faith. Because of this, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing. Peace with God. Through whom 
we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That's amazing, isn't it? God said you're not guilty. And by your faith, you've you've gained access. That's great. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had... You know, if you were some brilliant rock show that you really liked, I mean, Genesis are going to tour again, aren't they? And it costs about hundreds to get a ticket, I think. But imagine you had an, and you were a fan of Genesis and you had an access all areas pass. That'd be fantastic. Well, some of you are thinking, no, no, it wouldn't. I'd absolutely hate that. (laughs) What about if you could go to the White House or Buckingham Palace and have an access? all areas, whatever floats your boat. Some of you, it'd be a museum, I can tell, just looking at you. So, whatever. (laughs) But wouldn't that be fantastic? And access all areas pass. Wow. By God's grace, we have access to him. And he says, we've got access into this grace in which we stand. So, so we're no longer in a wibbly-wobbly land. We're no longer in condemnation. We're in grace land. Not Paul Simon's one. We're in grace land. Not Elvis's one either. We're standing in grace. That's fantastic. You say, oh, but I keep messing up. I keep falling over. Yeah, but you keep falling over in grace. You're in, you're, it doesn't alter your... your see, 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 oh, but my condition is not very good. Yeah, but your position is wonderful. Because you're no longer in condemnation. You're standing in the grace of God. That's fantastic. Oh, fall over. Well, get up again then. Dust yourself down and get on. Sorry, Lord, messed up again. Oh, got my hands hands dirty. Well, wash them again. Say the Lord's Prayer or sing happy birthday and carry on. We're standing in grace. And therefore, and then he goes on to say, so we we, we rejoice. We boast in hope of the glory of God. We can rejoice. We've got access. Hebrews 4 um, verse 16 talks about uh, being bold, doesn't it? Having access to a throne of grace. Oh, I couldn't. I've not done very well this week. I can't really pray to God. Oh, God. No, no, actually, he says it's a throne of grace. See, he's always a big holy God and and he's king and he is holy and he is God of the whole universe. And we should be respectful in awe of this wonderful God. But, but it says we have access to a throne of grace. When the king's your dad, you've got access. Do you see, do you see? it's different, isn't it? You say, I, mean, I mean, I can't imagine Prince, Prince Charles coming in and thinking, oh, she's the queen, I can't speak to her, because she's also mum or mama or whatever. Do you see, there's access to the holy place to receive grace to help us in time of need. And mercy when we need it as well. That's Hebrews 4, 16. So let's enjoy God's grace for goodness sake. And it is for goodness because he's good and he's gracious and he's kind. So a church that's strong in grace knows they're saved by grace and enjoys God's grace. Do you enjoy God's grace? I hope you do. I, I revel in it. I depend on it every day. Every day. See, see my, my son Joel... He sometimes works at our house. With this virus going around, he's going to be working at our house a bit more because they're not allowed to travel anymore. And, 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 and Kerry sometimes comes around with Elowin on a Monday lunchtime if she's done, I don't know, toddler activities. They, they come in and, 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 and Kerry's always very good because she's like that. She's 
nice, really. And I'm not saying Joel's not nice, but, 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 but what you hear when Joel comes in is you hear the front door and it bangs. You may call out hi, you may not. And within a few minutes, what you hear is the fridge door opening. <laughs> the tiger has come to tea, yeah. That's right. Well, what, why, why has he got, why has he got, well, because, because he's my son, he's got fridge rights. You know, it's just, <laughs> you have to put a label on something if you want it for tea to, to reserve it. You can't touch that. That's our, for our tea. Because, because he's a son, he's got, this is, it's a family thing. Well, to put it respectfully, when, when a God, you've got fridge rights. With glory, he, he loves you to come in, to, to not take advantage in a wrong way, but to say, we're family with the Lord. He's our heavenly father. He, he loves us. So we have access. We can enjoy God's grace. Here's the third one. Stand firm in grace. It says this grace in which you stand. There are times where you have to take a stand and say, I'm, I'm not going to be tempted back into earning God's favor by doing, by striving and by all these other things. You, you will never be good enough to earn God's favor ever 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 amen you'll never be good enough to earn God's favor you have to stand firm as a receiver of grace I'll say that uh, 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 again a bit later about receiving but but in order to stand firm in grace (coughs) you've got to resist grace robbers I call them not grave robbers grace robbers there are things that come towards us in life that can rob us of that enjoyment that I've spoken of. We're enjoying God's grace and then something comes along and, and, and we, it's stolen away from us. Does that, does that anyone relate to that? It's, it's possible. And there are gr- grace robbers. Let me give you some examples. The first one is this, condemnation. You come into worship or you were coming to church, you were happily worshipped, and then, then you had an argument on the way here, and, and you feel condemned. Something went wrong, you didn't do very well, and, and you feel, oh, no. Uh, no, that, don't be robbed of the enjoyment of God's grace by condemnation. It's a, there's a, let me do a quick distinction. There's a difference between feeling condemned and feeling convicted. When the Holy Spirit works in our lives, every now and again, he'll, he'll put his finger on something that, that, that he's now time to be dealt with. You really shouldn't treat your wife that way. And, and the Holy Spirit, that's specific. That's conviction. That's great. You might think it isn't, but repentance is a gift from God. It means changing direction, saying, God, I'm sorry, and I don't want to do that again. That's, that's conviction. That's the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, that vague feeling of feeling not good enough and condemned, that's from the pit. Do you, do you see the difference? So we allow God to work in our lives because he's in the business. Having changed our position, he's bit by bit changing our condition by the Holy Spirit. Bit by bit, let him work. Don't be overwhelmed. Let him work. And he works on specific bits. One thing at a time. It's, it's a lifetime of becoming a little bit more like Jesus, but we resist condemnation. Sometimes there are periods in your life where you might have to take 1 John 1 verse 9 like a prescription three times daily. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
He forgives us our sins. But more than that, he cleanses us from the unrighteousness, the sense of shame, the sense of all of that. He cleanses us completely. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, says in Romans 8 verse 1. No condemnation. It's gone because you're in Christ Jesus. When God the, God the Holy One looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. There's no condemnation because you're surrounded by his goodness, not your own performance. So let's resist condemnation. Tell it to go away. That's a grace robber. Here's another one, legalism. We're not very into legalism as a church, praise the Lord. A legalist is someone that makes rules for themselves. Now, I know temperamentally some of us like rules because we, we sort of know where we are with rules. We feel more comfortable. But, but rules, a legalistic trouble with rules is this. We, they lead to frustration because often we can't keep them ourselves and other people certainly aren't going to abide by them. Have you found that? It's very annoying, but they, they don't keep by your rules. And what's more, if we get into legalism, in other words, we think we're doing better with God if we do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And then the trouble is that's fine all the time we are doing this, 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 and this. But then when we, when we don't do this, this, and this, and find that it's July, and we're only up to March in our reading the Bible in a year, and then, then we think, oh, no, I'm not a proper Christian. I haven't, I haven't performed very well. I haven't kept the rules. That's, that's legalism. That's legal. No, it's not. It's a great thing to read the Bible. It's a really good thing because I love the person who wrote it. So, so that's, that's great. It's a good habit. It's a good discipline. But legalism is when we, when we think God will bless us if we do this and this or not bless us if we don't do that, that and that. That's not helpful. It leads to frustration. And the Bible is very keen on giving us liberty. Liberty. So, so you might think, well, I, th- I think it's, it's wrong in this day and age to eat meat. Well, that's great, as long as you allow me to enjoy a bit of bacon. That's, that's fine. You could be a vegetarian, that's great. You know, they had the same things in the Bible. All these, there were some Gentile Christians eating meat that may or may not have been offered to idols, and, the, and, and some of them were, enjoyed a pork, a pork chop, and then, and then there were Jewish believers, they didn't think they should do either of those. And, and it causes controversy. And what did Paul say? He said, well, just don't judge one another. And don't, but try not to cause offence to other people as well. That's just, what is he saying? He's saying, don't be legalistic. Don't judge one another in disputable matters. I once got told that I shouldn't go to a Bible study because my Bible was the wrong colour. <laughs> I know. I mean, for goodness sake, I, I, I went to a different church after that. I couldn't cope anymore. I kept the same colour Bible, went to a different church. So there we go. But legalism leads to frustration. Some, some of us temperamentally make rules for ourselves. And that's, a discipline, discipline's fine as long as it's a discipline that the Holy Spirit leads us into. You know, when Jesus went and did his fasting in the wilderness, it says the Holy Spirit led him. That's fine. Don't, don't do it at Lent because you think you've got to do it at Lent. Oh, I mean, we're non-conformist churches aren't very good at Lent anyway. We rub, you know, the Anglicans, they're good at all that stuff. They understand. I, you know, I'm not really there with that. But, um, but, but don't do anything because you think you ought to. Do, do things because you think, oh, that's what it says in the Bible, and I want to please him. Do things because the Holy Spirit's leading you. But don't, don't, let's not be legalistic. Let's not 
It's not helpful. It doesn't build the kingdom of God. And leading on from that, striving. Striving is another grace robber. You don't have to strive to be acceptable to God because he's done it all. He's given you righteousness as a gift. He's taken away all the crud. The Bible calls that sin, but you know what I mean. He's taken it away. He's done it already, so you don't have to strive. The one that we're more inclined to do sometimes is strive to be acceptable to one another. Now, the Bible tells us to strive to live at peace with each other. That's a different thing. Let's be at peace with each other. But it doesn't say strive to be all right with everybody, strive that everybody likes you. No, 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 no. Through the grace of Jesus, you're okay. Paul was able to say, I am what I am. And he'd had a past. He'd he'd murdered Christians. He'd been a bad lad. But he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I've got strengths. I've got weaknesses. God's working in me on some of the weaknesses. Some of the weaknesses I might carry to the day I die. But I've got strengths and weaknesses. Enjoy who he made you to be. You're his way of being creative. Did you know that? The Bible says he put you together in your mother's womb. Embroidered is the Hebrew word. He embroidered you together in your mother's womb. You've got your personality. You've got your makeup. You are who you are by his grace. Learn to enjoy who he's made you to be. Not striving and comparing yourself with other people. You'll always find someone who's better looking, more intelligent, more slim, more good looking, more, more something. Won't you? Because most of us are average by the law of averages. <laughs> but we're okay because God put us together. We can make our contribution. So there's some grace robbers that we must resist. Condemnation, legalism, striving. Let's enjoy the grace of God. Then let's be motivated by grace. I, I might do a whole sermon on um, Titus 2, but it's a really good... See, some people misunderstand grace and they think... They're a little bit worried. They say, if we really enjoy God's grace and his undeserved love, won't that lead to us taking the mickey? Won't that lead us to just sin more? Because God likes being gracious after all. Paul, Paul wrote about that in Romans. He said, God forbid that we take advantage of God's grace in that way. And, and here in, in Titus chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, uh, he says this, for the grace of God that appeared that offers salvation to all people, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and no to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. It's amazing. So we're motivated by grace, motivated to say no to ungodliness. Because God's been so good, I want to please him. It's not a law, I want to please him. I say no to that because I'm living for him. I'm voluntarily a slave to righteousness. But it's not law, it's gratitude and love. So we're motivated to say no to our ungodliness. We're, we're motivated to work hard. That verse I referred to uh, when Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. It says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. But his grace was really effective. I, I worked hard. In fact, he says, I worked harder than everybody else. But not me, it was the grace of God. So we're motivated, because God has been so good, we're, we're motivated to work hard, to please him, to serve him. 
We're motivated to use our gifts that come to us by grace. Romans 12 verse 6, I think. We've got different gifts according to the grace given us. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased that some people in the church have got an eye for detail and administration. Because you don't have to know me very long to know that other than seminars, I've got no eye for detail. Not really. I mean, occasionally I notice something. But <laughs> I'm so pleased. But that's a grace gift. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Because it lets me be me while they're being them. If you're gift, some people have got the grace to prophesy. Some people have got the grace to encourage people. Some people have got the grace to help people and to notice practical need. Whatever. But, but grace motivates us to use the gifts God has given us. Well, if I've got that gift, that's not a great credit to me. It's just the thing I got because he gave it me. It doesn't make this person or that person any more important. By God's grace, he's given us gifts so we can use them with freedom and enjoy the gifts he gave you. Yes. Yeah? You could spend half your life trying to be somebody else, but they're taken. <laughs> they're them, you're you. You can't try and be someone else. It doesn't work. No, enjoy who he's made you to be. So say no to ungodliness by grace. Work hard by grace. Not striving, but the grace he's given you. Use the gifts he's given you. Share the good news of Jesus because people are saved by grace and, 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 and the last one is really I've made into a whole separate point is keep receiving God's grace which means keep receiving God himself really Romans 15, 17 no it's Romans 5, 17 I think Yeah, Romans 5, the end of verse, Romans 5, 17. Sorry, I put 15 in my notes. 5, 17. It's the end of, um, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Doesn't reigning in life sound good? It means live, live life well. How, how can you live life well? Well, he says it's by receiving. Not, not by striving. You re- live life well by receiving. First of all, we receive the gift of righteousness. It's a gift from God. Lord, forgive me. I'm trusting in Jesus. And your faith, he, 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 he counts righteousness to you. Isn't that amazing? Just because you believed. Just by trusting him, he gives you righteousness. That's wonderful. That's just the start. He says, then you receive God's abundant, and it's an ongoing, present, continuous. You keep receiving his abundant provision of grace. See, see this week, there'll be ups and downs, won't there? Yeah. Uh, unless your life's different to mine, there will definitely be ups and downs. There'll be things that go well. There'll be taps that are easily fixed, won't there, Graham? And there'll be taps that you think, flipping it, I don't know what's wrong with this thing. Why doesn't this central heating work? Um, why, isn't, why is that customer not paying up? Or, and, and we all have different things like that that suddenly we come up against. 
How do, we, how do we keep living well in the midst of a life that's up and down, that has setbacks and difficulties? Well, it's by receiving. It's not by striving. It's, God has an abundant provision of resources, strength to keep going. Grace, his resources. We, we, we have to position ourselves to receive. But we do that this week. When things are tough, you think, oh, that person at work is driving me crazy. If he does that one more time, I'll dot, 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 dot. No, actually, let's position ourselves as receivers. God, I can't do this on my own. Would you just give me grace to cope with that work colleague? God, that kid's driving me crazy. Would you give me grace to be a wise parent? Or whatever our situation is. God's, there's nothing wrong with his resources. He's got an abundant provision. In fact, the word over us at the moment is unconscionable grace, which means out of all proportion, totally beyond what we could reasonably expect. There's nothing wrong with his provision of grace over us. Sometimes we just are not positioning ourselves to receive. So that's my suggestion, that we embrace our weakness and say, but his grace is sufficient for us. Amen? I pray that something will remain lodged in our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're the God of all grace who undeservedly sent Jesus for us. Thank you that though we deserve nothing and our performance is so patchy, you give us your spirit, you work in us. We thank you there's no condemnation for us. Thank you, Father, that we are saved entirely by your grace. Even the faith that we've, we've reached out to you with is a gift from you. And we thank you for the mystery of that. Lord, we ask you that we would continue to be a church that really enjoys your grace. The grace that comes from you, the grace that we see in one another. We ask you that you'd help us to be vigilant, to resist anything and everything that robs us of your grace. And we pray that we'd be motivated to live our lives by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God.